Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. And the Lord be with every one of you. And I want to continue looking at this subject that we got ourselves into, of the fact that we are living in God's glory, God's glory in us. And I want to look at it from an Old Testament story. So I want to read from Genesis chapter 12, and that is the call of Abraham. And he says in chapter 12, he was told, get out of your country and away from your father's house to the land I'll show you. Then he enumerates the blessing that shall come upon him. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, that was given to Abraham. And upon that that we just read, Abraham left the city of Ur, and traveled he knew not where to what ultimately was the land of Canaan, promise. And there he has the son Isaac. And Isaac uh, has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, the chosen one, has a great number of children. And one of those was Joseph. And I want to look at Joseph in the light of everything we've said about this. And so from chapter 12, that's when this family began. And we've gone through Isaac and Jacob uh, and and now to Joseph, who looked back to his great-great-grandfather Abraham. Only Joseph has been taken as a slave to Egypt. And it says in chapter 39 of Genesis, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him on the slave market from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the man who owned him, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then Potiphar made him overseer of the whole house, and all that he had had he put under the authority of Joseph. And so it goes on through the story of Joseph in Egypt. The Lord was with him. The Lord blessed him. He was successful. He was prosperous. Okay. Uh, Let's quickly, let me go back. This subject to the glory of God, and a number of you have emailed to say this opened up the entire Bible to you to understand the meaning of the glory of God. Um, we've got used to religious art that looks at the glory of God merely as yellow light or something. Um, The word means, we've seen it means weight, a person who has weight in society, in his world. It's a word that means the, the weight you carry is the weight of your reputation. It means your track record, the way you have been, the person you are, what you have done, everything you've said, it it piles up behind you and it's a a weight of reputation. It's a a weight of your track record. 
and, and that transfers many times into wealth. The, the person who has glory, that is a reputation to be envied, a reputation, a track record that, that is of an honest and good person. And it results many times in the Bible in wealth. And of course, as we've always seen, the, the, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, knows absolutely nothing of our Western way of dividing people up. You, you know how we do it. We, we, we're happy to quickly say body, soul, spirit, you know, and, and, and so your body is your body, like a lump of flesh hanging in the butcher shop. Uh, but then apart from that, totally apart from that, is your mind and your emotions, and, and oh, that's a different kettle of fish. And we even have a doctor who deals with the body, but then we have another chap altogether, a doctor that deals only with your mind and emotions. And then completely divorced from that is your spirit. And we have another fellow to deal with that, call him the pastor. And so so it's all, no, when the Bible says wealth, when the Bible says health, when the Bible says salvation, it never means a bit of me. It means the totality of my person. The Bible is, the, the word actually is holistic. That you can never talk of the body without including the mind and your spirit and your emotions. They're all one. And you can't get saved in your spirit without being affected in your mind and emotions and body, you see. And so when, when I say wealth, I don't mean a person who merely has money. Such a person most of the time in these days, does not have glory. They they just simply have money. Now, that's the glory the Bible speaks of is a glory of spirit, my core person, that that is throughout my whole holistic person. And and so glory is this fullness, this abundance, and, and, and an abundance of person, abundance of joy, an abundance of peace, um, which goes into my job, my finances, my properties, yes. Uh, a, a, a glory is the influence of a person. It's, a, it's the sum, t- total, t- sum total of their life. It's the sum total of how they think and their purpose and their intentions in life, their attitudes. Glory. You meet, you meet those people and they just exude. Yes, and then it does mean radiance, but it's an unseen radiance, but it's an impact upon society. Now, God's glory, God's glory, when we use that term of God, which of course it is mostly in the scripture, that means the fullness of God, the, the fullness of his holy triune self. That is his total, utter giving of himself. And and giving of himself in everything he says and everything he does. God is good. God is love. And that is not just in the abstract idea. It is the energy, the going out of his love and his goodness. That's his glory. And Jesus is the glory of God, all the sum total of who God is in our human flesh. And so he is designated as the image of God. That is to see Jesus is to see God. Uh, he, he is 100% human but he is 100% the revelation, the revealing, the exegeting of God. Or as 2 Corinthians 4 says, we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you want to know what God is like? I've heard that question asked many times on television. People say, well, who, who is God? And 90 well, it's almost 100% of the time the person says God's too big, too far away, too above us, too complicated. We don't know who God is. And then they've got those other daft things. They say, well, God is the universe. No, if you're a Christian, 
we declare that God has been fully revealed to us. Everything that a human can know of God has been revealed, exegeted, explained, displayed in the person of Jesus Christ, Son of God, God the Son. And so when I see the attitude of Jesus, when I see the feelings of Jesus toward others, when when I see his purpose and intention toward others, when I see his compassion toward those that are broken and, and those that are physically sick as well as mentally, emotionally and core being sick, I'm looking at God. God is love. God is passionate love. Fire love. That's Jesus, you're saying. That, that. But, but the point is, do, do you understand this? God became flesh. God got inside of us in order to bring an end to a people that had fallen short of the glory of God. We were created. You and I were created to be the image bearers of God. We were created to bear the weight of God's glory. God should be made manifest in us and through us, and sin is falling short of that. Jesus came to bring us back, restore to us all that had been lost. And to do that, this old mankind, the mankind that is rooted in Adam and rebellion and self for self, which is the opposite of glory, that is utter darkness and deceit and lies. And Jesus came to carry that Adam to death. And he did that. He embraced us and he carried us to death and carried us to such death he left us in the tomb and he rose out of death with now if i could use the term the double glory not only glory made manifest in our humanness but the glory of having conquered death and the glory of having stripped Satan of any authority over the human race. Yes, that, that's the meaning of the cross. To, to transport you through the death and bloodshedding of Jesus into the glory for which you were created. And that comes to its completion in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Please understand that. Jesus' work was not complete until he sent the Holy Spirit. And so the day of Pentecost, that's it. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to actually live inside of us. And he's described on that day as like radiant fire. And he came and he took up residence in in humans, in you and, and I, that In our lives, we would display the glory of God and we would be those in whom it was realized and we would be those who were promoting the will of God, the purpose, the intention, the glory of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the prophets who had looked forward to this day said of that day, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Okay, that's pretty much what we've been talking about. But now my question is, what does that look like? Obviously, it doesn't mean that you're going around glowing like like some radiated person. No, you, you... no, they see, we've got to see these weird ideas. We call people saints, and we stick funny lights around their head. Now, what does it look like? What do you look like when you are living this Christian life, this normal Christian life, which is in union with God because of Jesus through the Spirit? What does it look like? And that's why I want to go back to Joseph, because... In those Old Testament stories, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that all these stories were signposts and they they are written in order to instruct us as to what we now have. 
because they didn't have it in the Old Testament. They were, what can I say? They were the original drawings. They were the first beginnings of an architect's drawing of what you and I would ultimately look like through Jesus. They were the, well, I was going to say prototypes. Maybe that's too strong a word. But in these people, you see everything that we have. But it is, it's not the better covenant we live in. It's the beginnings. It's the rootage. Yes, we're, we're the tree with all the laden fruit. These chaps, they, they are the roots of that tree. And in order to understand who we are, we do well to go back and look at our beginnings in these persons. And, and so, what do we see? Abraham was the beginning of salvation. Oh, I can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I can trace it back to Noah. Yes, lots. But it really took shape and form in Abraham. He, he was the beginning of this. And it's very interesting that in Acts chapter 7, reporting there on Genesis chapter 12, it says the God of glory appeared to Abraham. And at that time, Abraham, of course, was an idol worshiper of, of a most vile kind. In fact, it, he, he and his father, Terah, they, they made the little silver images and sold them um, to people who came to their city to worship these vile, actually pornographic uh, idols. Um, now that's Abraham in chapter 12. And there came to him the words that we read. God gate-crashed Abraham. To him there came a revelation of the God of glory, the God who carried the weight of the universe, who, whose track record and reputation was utter, unlimited goodness. He whose wealth is counted in owning the creation and holding it all together in love. And he whose thought and intention and purpose that produce the track record is nothing but a purpose of love and goodness toward us. The God of glory appeared to Abraham. And that gave us that list of what God said of him. And then in chapter 15, it was confirmed with a covenant oath, which is God saying, I will do this. And if I do not, then God himself will cease to be. So what is going on here in Genesis 12? Well, the word used there is bless. The first usage of that word bless is in Genesis chapter 1, where Adam is being introduced to the fact that he is created in the image and likeness of God. And so in this word bless, we're looking at, shall I say, a synonym, a parallel word for glory. Because this word bless means you are empowered. You are embraced. It's all around you. The glory of God, all that God is, all that God purposes in your life, dwells within you, embraces you like a suit is upon you, like a bubble around you, ahead of you, behind you, and around you, you are blessed. And the word means to empower, and empower one to success and prosperity in terms of what the covenant blessing says. And, and so Abraham was the beginning of that restoration, that bringing you and I ultimately to living inside the glory of God and reflecting and imaging God within creation. But right now with Abraham, as I say, it was the beginning, but it was an incredible beginning. And, and, and what is it? Well, he's going to be empowered. He's going to be blessed. I mean, it's plain. I mean, hear those words. Don't, don't read them quickly. God... Father and Son and Holy Spirit say to Abraham, I will bless you. 
God is saying, I will partner with you in life and you will be empowered, clothed with good. And not only that, but I will make your name great. That is, you will have influence. The weight of glory will impact your world. In fact, it will impact generation upon generation to come. I will empower you to success. And you, he said, you will bless. You will bless. I will bless you. And you will bless all who will receive it from you. You will be the connecting point between heaven and earth. And the scripture says all that Abraham contributed to this, Genesis 15, 1, it says all that he contributed was Abraham believed God. That is, he believed, he trusted God to do what he said. I said that easily, didn't I? But that is the life-transforming moment in any, any life when I trust my present and future into the hands of God. And all that says it's moving. Abraham was the beginning of the movement through time and history that would end in Jesus, who would accomplish that to the full. Okay. Can, can you imagine being a member of that family? I mean, that that we just read in Genesis 12 was like the... <laughs> Well, I mean, you kept that in a locked box. The record, that's what God said. That's what our family is built upon. God's guarantee of being with us so that when people look on us, they don't know what's going on, but they know that there is a power beyond the human who is enabling and empowering a power that is not cold power, but good. Love, mercy, kindness, gentleness, compassion, forgiveness. They saw it. Isaac lived it. Jacob came to know it in depth. And then his son Joseph. His son Joseph was almost his last son out of a Mighty big family. And for many reasons, we won't get into them, but Jacob, the father, favored Joseph. That wasn't the best thing to do. Didn't make him popular with all his other much older brothers. Um, in fact, they hated him for it. He, he was favored, greatly loved by his father. He was daddy's boy and hung around his dad. And, and if, if my mathematics is right, he probably sat on old Isaac's knee and, and certainly Jacob, but maybe Isaac told him the stories that are recorded in Genesis and, and told him stories of the covenant. And it was the covenant, the covenant, the covenant that God would bless us. We should be the bearers of the glory, glory of God. He learned it, learned it well. And, and, and he, he trusted, he opened himself up to the, yes, to the God who said that. And, and the result was right from the get-go, Joseph is extraordinary. I mean, the Bible does mean what it says, you prosper. And again, let me say, holistically prosper. And, and, and so, as far as we can make out, Joseph was probably the only one in the family that could read properly. Uh, he, he was the one who had that wisdom, that know-how of making things happen because he becomes the manager of this vast ranch that Jacob had which, of course, only made his brothers all the more enraged. They hated him um, because he's the kid, and I mean really the kid, I mean youngster, and yet he's the one that can manage the farm. He's got the know-how. There's that 
blessing that is upon him. And, and then he has dreams. Dreams, you know, that were not just passing whims in the night. These were revelatory dreams in which he knew this was God speaking to him. And he has, as a young kid, he's got the audacity to speak out and say, this is what God has shown me in a dream and and shown him glory, that, that he should have the respect and honor to the nth degree of his own family, let alone the rest of the world. They hated him for that all the more. I, I want you to note, though, he spoke it. These, these were dreams too big. They, they wouldn't fit inside a teenager. But he said, God said this. And so he spoke the word to his brothers, that one day they, they hated him, but one day they would recognize him to be a supreme ruler with honor and glory. He spoke it because he accepted that as his identity. Hear my words. These are very important. And if you're wondering where I get that from, um, it's it's underscored in Psalm 105, where part of Psalm 105 is talking about this incident. And it says that that word, that word that he spoke to his brothers, that word, as he took God's word, made it his word, and declared it, even though he's now going to be hated all the more. But he spoke what God spoke. He spoke in harmony with God speak. He rested in what God said his identity was. You are a blessed kid. You, you are gloried. You're engodded. You, one day you will influence the entire world, which will include your family. Understand that. It's, it's vital understanding your identity. Um, in James 3, uh, the first verses of James chapter 3, it speaks of what you speak. And it says your tongue, the, the words that you form, and it, it says that through your tongue, what you say, you control your whole body and destiny. It, it says that what you say is like the rudder of a ship. It can turn the whole ship. As another message, but uh, understand it here. Joseph was not passive in this. God revealed to him what it meant that his blessing and glory was upon him. And it meant he was going to impact. He would have weight. He would have the ability to influence the entire world for good for love. And he said so. And he said so. Even though he's a teenager (laughs) without anybody, even his father said, watch it, mate. I mean, you're you're going a bit far here. And, And so his father was putting the brakes on. His brothers hated him. They all thought he was nuts. But he says, that's my identity. That's who I am, according to what God says. He was saying of his core person that whatever happens, wherever I am, I am a covenant man. I am a man in union with the Lord. I have a divinely given destiny. I am blessed. I have glory. I'm graced. I am favored. And of course, the word favor along with grace means that there's an intention about you. God has a bias towards you. He's watching out for you. You're favored. Things happen to you that the world would call coincidence to the max. No, you're favored. Joseph, that's all part of being blessed, you see. He was wealthy. That's who I am. I'm a blessed, therefore, from my core being out. I'm wealthy. I had the wealth of God's wisdom, 
the wealth of God's insight, the wealth of his goodness and his love. And such was attended by joy and peace. That's who I am. Do you get that? That's identity. Because I have to ask the question, what does that look like? <laughs> Life as Joseph knew it from very early did not look like it. Okay, yeah, he was his dad's favorite. And in that, he was the one who received the full knowledge of what had been said to Abraham and passed to Isaac, passed to Jacob, and he passed it to Joseph. Yeah, that, but, as I said, that knowledge and the working of God in his life caused rejection. Rejection to the worst kind, your own brother's family. They captured him, and actually they were going to kill him. That's how much they hated him. But one of the brothers convinced them to put him in a pit and hold him for a while, and during that period, and while that brother was gone, they sold him as a slave to a passing Ishmaelite band of people on their way to Egypt. Hold it. This man is blessed. This man is reflections of God's glory, but he's now owned by a bunch of thugs, Ishmaelite slave traders. And down in Egypt, he's put on, on the block like a piece of merchandise, and they auction him off the slave market. And he's sold into a wealthy family, a very important family, Potiphar, who was high in the court of the pharaoh. And so he just becomes someone they purchased yesterday down at the slave market. He's a, I mean, less than nobody. A, a slave has no, no person, really. He's just possession. And of course, from there, because the wife of part of her blackmails him, he's going to end up in jail. I mean, that, that's a pretty bad story, and it lasted for at least 10 years, maybe a little bit more than that. And when I say, okay, he's a blessed man, and I'm saying that he is experiencing the glory of God, so someone's going to say, well, of course, he didn't feel any of that. You see, he's, he's sold as a slave, but he's just singing praise to God. No, because that verse in Psalm 105, it's verse 17, it says how deeply he felt this. And the, the Hebrew words there would be translated, I, I believe correctly, um, as the iron. It's speaking of the shackles they put on his hands. He was handcuffed and they put a shackle around his neck and shackle around his feet. You know, he's a slave. And so they bundle him up in chains and they stick him on the side of a camel or drag him behind it. But says Psalm 105, that iron, that iron, the iron of his cuffs, it did more than hold his body. It says, the iron entered his soul, which is a very Hebrew way of saying that it, it burned into him. The, the, the horror of, of being sold, the horror of, of being part of a slave market and now owned it got inside of him. He tasted the iron of his chains. But what does he do when he feels the chains inside of him? He continues to speak the word that God had given to him, that he had spoken to his brothers and father. Didn't, didn't part from it. That was his identity. That's his amness. And speaking God's word in that fashion in Psalm 119, I think it's about verse 50, it speaks of it as, as having power. 
And that power revives and that power rejuvenates. He spoke the blessing as that's who I am. And and in so doing, he is revived by that which he speaks. Notice, he did not say, one of these days, when I get out of here, I'll be blessed. I don't know what's going on right now, but one of these days, up ahead there, as long as I can hold on, I'll be blessed. But that's not. You see, who wrote that account in Genesis 39? Who wrote that? What Joseph did. I mean, there's nobody else there to write it. So, Joe, this is your reading in Genesis 39. You're reading Joseph's blog. Now, this is what Joseph wrote about himself and his circumstances. And what does he say? The Lord is with him. It's spoken not as something that would be up ahead. The glory, the blessing, the grace, the favor was not something after I get out of here. He speaks of it as now, in this micro moment, the Lord is with me. I am blessed. Not one day, I am blessed. This is who I am. I am the glorious ruler who shall impact the world. I am the blessed. I am the good. I am the beloved and the lover. I am the wise and insightful. That's who I am. Not one day. And I am because it can be no other way. God said it. And he said it twice over. And he revealed it to me in vivid color. There's no doubt about it. I am the person that God says I am. And the blessing that God has given is around me and in me and ahead of me and alongside of me and behind me. I'm empowered. It can't, it can't be any other way because that would contradict God, wouldn't it? Now, this brings up something very fascinating. I don't know if you've already caught what I'm saying. His being blessed, his being the, shall I say, receptacle of the glory of God. Uh, the, the circumstances he was in, the situations that he found himself in, in no way defined him. And to him, even though he felt the pain of those situations, those situations did not define him. Oh, look, get this, get it, please. I'm talking to you. You are defined by the word of God spoken in Jesus Christ and related in you through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. It doesn't matter what people say or do or love you or hate you. They, the sum total of all that, that does not define you. You are who you are in union with Jesus Christ. If you are blessed, no amount of circumstances, no amount of nasty people can diminish you as a blessed person. That's the, the wonder that comes out so early in this. Just Genesis 39 and this chap's got a hold of it. So, yeah, sold as a slave, defined on all the papyri of Egypt as the slave owners signed the papers and as the slave auctioneers sold him, as Potiphar bought him, and it's all there on paper and signed and sealed. And it says that he's a non-person. He's a piece of property. We just bought it down at the auction. Which, of course, is supposed to mean that he's the victim of this. But I'm sorry, I was already owned by God. So I'm not for sale. You see, you can call me a slave, you can treat me as a slave, 
but I am God's ruler. I am God's blessed one. I am his beloved. I'm not a slave. I'm not a victim. That might be my circumstances right now, but I am the blessed person. And you see, not what people do to me and what situations and circumstances pile up, they can never change the mind and the purpose of a glorious, blessed person. So there's no revenge. I mean, surely, surely you've got to sit there and just seethe, stew in bitterness toward your brothers for what they did to you. And you're going to get even. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to get even. Revenge. No, because this person is a blessed person. There's no room in this person's life for revenge. He's blessed to be a blessing. There is no place for hatred. There's no place for bitterness. People cannot make him think any other way. And therefore there's no place for self-pity or whining and complaining along with all the other slaves. No, he's the odd chap out because he doesn't see it like that. He sees that he's a blessed person, a glorious person who is presently in the house of Potiphar. He's the glory of God in disguise as a slave. And so therefore it it, it dominates his actions. Of course, how does a blessed person act in these certain... They act as if they're blessed, of course. So he doesn't steal. He's here. And you, you know this, especially in today's world. Oh, Lord. It seems every other person you meet has got their hand out saying, you owe me. Well, if anybody could say that, it was Joseph. You owe me, Potiphar. Do you realize what you've done to me? You owe me. You're not, I'm doing all this work and you're not paying me. You owe me. No. See, other slaves would then steal. Petty stealing. Get the feeling. Well, I, I steal because he didn't pay me, so he owes me. And No, a blessed person doesn't do that because they are there to bless nor does he pray a curse on Potiphar. You know, let the man die. And No, quite the reverse. <laughs> can, can I also say, this is very important, and I don't want, I'm not, I'm not getting at anybody. I'm, I'm trying to point out the enormity of what we're looking at here. He doesn't say he was waiting for his miracle. Have I heard that? So you just sit passive in life, you're waiting for your miracle. No. If you've understood your identity as being joined in with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to activate and actualize all of that, you are a miracle. You're not waiting for anything. You're not waiting to be blessed. You are blessed. Your circumstances do not define who you are. God defines who you are. And you say yes to that with your mouth. And you accept it. He is a man in covenant union with the Lord himself. Therefore, in in this situation, I'm a blessed man. Here, right here. Sitting here in the slave house with a bunk. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed man in a slave house. God is present in my life, here and now, to make me successful and prosperous, here, now. That's his attitude. That's his intention. That's the the person we're talking about. And remember, this is... There's a lot to go before we get to Jesus who will finally do this and bring us into this. This is just one of the earlier architect's drawings. His attitude is, I'm blessed. His attitude is, I'm glorious. Therefore, this man doesn't act like a slave, doesn't talk like a slave. He treats everyone 
From Potiphar down to his fellow slaves, he treats everybody with respect, knowing that he's living in the love and the glory of God and simply passing it on. And so he wrote on his blog that became part of the scripture, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord blessed him, the Lord prospered him. And I'm looking at that and saying, you're a slave. And he knows that God is working in all the evil that was intended against him. The Lord is working good. And he will announce that to his brothers when he finally meets them years later. Whatever evil was intended, God turned it to good. And what happened? Potiphar's house and business, it became blessed. Potiphar could hardly believe it. Everything to do with his business in this house. Obviously, there was a greater power, a love power, a power that liked him, favored him, was working in his business. And he traced it back to Joseph. It was when he showed up. It's when I put him in charge here. The blessing of God came to Potiphar's house, all wrapped up in a box called Joseph. Joseph wasn't sitting in a corner waiting for his miracle to get out of there. Joseph was walking around the house saying, how can I bless my master? How can I bless this part of the business? How can I bring the glory of God into this pagan, idolatrous darkness? It's not a question, I'm waiting to get my miracle. It's a question, whose miracle am I today? You ever thought about that? You're waiting for a miracle. Who is going to receive a miracle because of you? What you say, what you give, the way you act, that, that's, that's what this is about. He wakes up in the morning in what way shall this pagan who doesn't know the Lord, but in what way is he going to be surprised with the blessing of God that flows through me today? And of course, this wasn't having some great crusade. You know that, of course. Uh, this wasn't, he didn't look like, you know, super evangelist. He was a slave. And what he did was very mundane and what he did uh, in terms of looking after the business and it's all very ordinary. But through that ordinariness and through those circumstances, blessed. They'd never known such kindness in the house. They'd never known such gentleness. They'd never known such goodness. And they hardly knew where he came from because he didn't stand on a box and say, let me give you the four spiritual laws. He just set out to bring blessing to that which was in front of him to do. Knowing that he's a man of divine resources, knowing that he's appointed, destined to bring God's glory and blessing to all. He's present to his moment. Ten years. And that took place not only in the house of Potiphar, but when he was thrown into jail too. And after 10 plus years, suddenly, and I mean suddenly, he, he just he was having breakfast when he suddenly catapulted to be the ruler next to Pharaoh and, and brings that blessing and glory to the entire known world. And you and I are in a better covenant. Get it? That was the beginning. Now, through Jesus, the seed of Abraham the one who finally came from Abraham through the vastness of the peoples of Israel to that one person, Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, the seed of Abraham. And the scripture says in Galatians 3 that the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is the fulfillment of of that blessing of Abraham. Everything that these people talked of as blessing and favor ends up. The, the fullness, the focus of that is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Especially those of you that have been listening these weeks 
How's your conversation doing these days? How do you speak of yourself? How do you think of yourself? Who are you? What's your identity? Are you given an identity from your circumstances? Do do you find your identity in what other people say about you? Or do you see who you really are? That you are a man in whom Jesus Christ lives through the Holy Spirit. The glory of God is in you and upon you. Wherever you are, whatever has happened, that's who you are. And where you now are, where you'll be tomorrow morning, where you'll be this afternoon if you're listening in the morning. I mean, the opportunities. And I mean, please get rid of this idea that you've got to walk around with a Bible under your arm and looking like... Mr. Evangelist, no, please don't do that. Don't! You'll destroy the testimony. Get on with life. Right down to forgiving the person who's harsh and unkind and down to kindness and gentleness in your simplest dealings in the cafeteria by the water cooler. The way that you approach what has been given you to do is work and to call for the blessing of God that is yours to now be shared with wherever you're working. And if you employ to pray God's blessing, to bless every person that walks in your doors, that every person who works for you, even if they're an atheist or an idolater like Potiphar, they will know the blessing of God. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's who you are. I say again, you wake in the morning, whose miracle are you going to be today? You see a person in need and they're praying for a miracle and it's the Holy Spirit saying that you give. And as you give of whatever need is present and they will say, thanks be to God. Yes, but it was your hand that gave. You see what I'm getting at? Oh, this... There's so much we could say here. See, this is our attitude. I'm, I'm full of gifts for all. Jesus said, when you enter into a house, give it your peace. Give it your peace. And it says your peace will go into the house. And it will look around, is anybody here who wants this? And it says, if nobody wants, your peace will come back to you. Now, that's very tangible language that Jesus is using, and it's not a passage that's sort of using fancy illustrations. He's just talking plain words, that that we, we give every word we say is blessing. Every action we take, we're seeking the good of those that we're dealing with, and we're doing so quietly dependent on the Holy Spirit to be in our actions to bless. Or to put it another way, to touch the life of a believer is to receive blessing. It's like Jesus. Yes, I said like Jesus, because as he is, so are we in this world. He, one with the Father. We, one with him through the Holy Spirit. And it says when she touched the hem of his garment that she was healed. Do you remember that? And Jesus said, who touched me? He said, I perceive the power went out from me. Boy, we could spend an hour there. But it's the same for you. And I mean that. People come into your circle of life. And do you realize you speak a word and the love power of the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit goes out in your words and you're hardly conscious of it because you're being so wonderfully normal. And and the person will talk about that 10 years from now. They remember that. They remember that because it changed their life. And they come to you and they're sick and instead of reciting all your illnesses to join them, you quietly ask if you can pray for them and very quietly, because you don't have to scream and shout. You're a blessed person. You can just hand it over and pray God's blessing. Or like Peter on the 
escape beautiful. Do you remember Acts chapter 3? And he says, Such as I have, I give to you in the name of, and so on. Huh. And all this, all this to the praise and the glory of God. Because, you see, God never works independent of us. He blesses us. And then the next phrase is, you will be a blessing. And when he says something, he expects us to trust him. And therefore to take that which he said as our identity wherever we find ourselves. I say it again, this is so important, these two things. Your circumstances in no way define who you are. No other person, however mean they are, they can never diminish who you are. Circumstances which would say, but you're a slave, you're a nobody. And you can look straight up into the eyes of the Father as you're joined with Jesus and say, I'm a son of God, a daughter of God. Holy Spirit dwells in me, the glory of God. No, nobody can take that away. That's who you are, wherever you might find yourself. And so, that's where you are. That's the word that you speak. And the word that ultimately is manifest in very material, I mean, physical fashion. It happens. It's part of history. That which you, you, you've said in union with, with the word of God. But while, in fact, you never really think about that happening. That's in God's hands. What, what you're doing is, because you are who you are, you now bless everyone in your path. And 99 times out of 100, you're not aware of it, and they don't realize it till you've passed on into the fog. And they realize there's been a visitation of God by a word you said, by an action you took, by a gift you gave, whatever it is. And you did it naturally because the Holy Spirit is guiding you into truth. And truth is not an abstract. Truth is a way of life. It's living Christ. Well, I trust this has blessed you. I, I, I've told this story before. But it does fit here, really. When, when a little... I was standing at the door of a church saying goodbye to the people and, and this little fellow came up to me and he looked up at me and then he looked all the way down to my feet and looked up again and said, just as his parents arrived to hear him say, so you're God, huh? They were mortified, horrified. And when he came out, this little boy had heard his parents listen to our CDs. And after listening, they reported, God spoke to us. And so in the little five-year-old mind, he understood that whoever's speaking on those CDs must be God. And then he met me. <laughs> that little chap actually was speaking more truth than he knew. We, we, we are so proud of being humble, we miss these things. Yes, we bless people with words, and afterward they say, God spoke to me. You sang a solo, and, and you blessed the whole congregation. And then what did you say? It wasn't me, it was the Lord. Oh, I spoil it with that. No, it was you. It was you, but you are so one with Jesus. Jesus sang that song and the Holy Spirit danced in the melody and spoke the words through the congregation. Yes, I say thank you for blessing us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, it's too late. If you didn't understand, listen again. Because this is of such supreme importance in these days in which we live. And so now the blessing... Yes, the blessing, the clothing with the glory of God, the blessing 
of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing rest upon you, seep into your lives, infuse the very muscles of your body and the speech of your mouth and the look of your eyes, that out of you to your world this day, wherever you find yourself, there shall flow rivers of living water. So I bless you. And that's the way it is.